This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Hafta. Hello everybody on Facebook and uh, thank you all subscribers for coming. Uh, I'll try to keep this as chilled out and casual as our Hafta normally is. So um uh, this is the 200th episode of Hafta. We have done 199 episodes so far. Uh, I'll just tell you what Hafta started off as. It was an exercise in transparency uh, because, as in the you know mission statement, that which is a very grand sounding thing, and I'm sure uh, Manu will have a very interesting take on what the hell is a vision statement. The fact that you have a vision is a surprise in itself. But Manu, who's I'll introduce the guests at length uh, later. But the whole idea of Hafta was it's an exercise in transparency because. at least i believed when you know we set up news laundry and and madhu and all of us had sat and discussed this that objectivity is not possible we can make transparency happen because we are the sum total of our experiences our socialization our world views shaped by all that so you know we will have prejudices we will have biases we will have you know a compromised view and different from another and hafta was a good way of making that transparent so it is a good way of making it transparent so people see where we are coming from and they can adjust individual perceptions and reports through that prism but it so happened and as we get a lot of mails every week uh, people have started listening to the hafta to get the news of the week which is not a good idea so we're <laughs> trying to fix that and trying to make it more current because you know there are some developing stories people say you don't have the latest on that that wasn't what the hafta was for we have other podcasts for that and we'll be starting more podcasts for that but that's why hafta happened it's a chat it's an informal chat and at that time the staff of newsroom was just four or five people so we sat together and chit chatted and that was that we'll have after our question answer people on facebook you can also post your questions and snigdha my wonderful colleague will tell us your questions those that are worthy of being repeated will be repeated and asked so you guys can tell us what you're doing right wrong not just questions a lot of discussions Someone doesn't have a question; they just have a comment, and then everyone's saying, "Why are you giving a comment?" Well, we say we even want your comments, so just keep them short. On that note, Angrez apna lagana, news laundry apna hafta, kabi nae chhodte. When the public pays, the public is served, and when advertisers pay, advertisers served. On our 200th episode of Hafta, we have Manu Joseph. Many of you, in fact, all of you probably already know Manu. Uh, Manu is a writer and a journalist. Uh, he has won the. Manu, let me allow you to introduce yourself because I'll do the Wikipedia thing, and and uh, so Manu has his latest book, Leila. I personally really like Manu's writing. Uh, I think it's amongst the finest. I think he has a very provocative and interesting mind. Sometimes, if there is a debate happening, he will give an angle to it which you may not have thought of, or if you have thought of, you will not utter it. You wait for someone else to say it. So he does that for us. The two words. I think, yeah, and then you can just retweet it. Then you can retweet. <laughs> I'm not saying it. I'm just. Artisan endorsements. Uh, so, uh, so that's Manu Joseph for you. He till recently was a columnist uh, for the Mint uh, lounge. lounge as lounge. well, but now Manu, what are you doing? I'm uh, finishing my uh, first non-fiction. That's as it's called. I think. Uh, I think it's strange that this whole genre of literature, which doesn't have the good sense to give itself a name, 
it's identified as something it's not by something it's not so but anyway since everybody knows what non-fiction is it's actually journalism uh, between covers for which people would be willing to pay you know so I think that's how I look at uh, non-fiction as it's called um, and uh, I'm um, uh, working with some people who are interested in making TV series and films out of uh, my books so it's a, that's in an interesting phase um, we will discuss that, you know, books, you know, into miniseries and films and, and how that translates. Uh, other panelists here, Anand Vardhan, our in-house genius, many of you have heard him and read him. He has some wonderful and interesting insights. Uh, even he gives some perspectives that often are not the popular ones. And I'm not talking about left, right, conservative, but just an angle that hasn't really been explored. He has maximum services. fans also. Everyone loves Anand. All the letters are yeah. always praising him. Praising him. <laughs> and uh, Manisha Pandey, our award-winning journalist. Today, I <laughs> will have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Anand is trying not Anand to react. <laughs> when she says that he has a lot of fans, you're doing... <laughs> so, uh, Manisha has been uh, one of the ones... Since we started Hafta, I think other than Madhu yeah. and me. She's the one who's been there from the beginning. Although, Anand's on the founding team of News Laundry. Then in the middle, he went and I, I don't know whether he was taking a civil service exam or... But then, then he's, he's back it's and... already failed by then. <laughs> well, I'm, we are glad he's back. Uh, so, yeah, that's Manisha, who's done many a story for us. And now she has a fantastic show called Nuisance, which I hope you watch. Madhu Trehan, uh, legendary journalist, uh, founder India Today, News Track, TV Today, and News Laundry. I am, she gave me my first job when I was 19 and made sure that I was a hard nut to crack, which is good because she prepared me for Twitter. Fuck <laughs> <Lucky> you bastards. So, <laughs> so, thank you, Madhu. So, uh, if, if you could handle Madhu at 19, Twitter's a fucking piece of cake. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was bad. So, I'll just quickly tell rough. you what all we'll discuss. Usually on Hafta, we discuss like seven, eight things. We'll keep it. A little less this time because we want you to interact with, you know, our guest. And I know many of you have come to see uh, Manu. So I will not take that time away from you. So um, there was a huge march today, a farmer's march, as you know, which reached um, India Gate, uh, sorry, Ramlila Maidan. And we had some reporters here who were there who tell us it wasn't as big as was yeah. promised. Yeah, it was supposed to be about 2 lakh, but it's about 15, 16,000 people. Or maybe 20,000. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, Maybe we can give that a few minutes. Then, uh, you know, there was this whole Gotra debate that happened. Uh, what is, uh, what's Rahul, his name? Rahul Gandhi's Gotra. Which made primetime news. And then uh, Smriti Irani tweeted, My Gotra is Kaushal, sir, as is my father's, as is his father's, and his father's, and his father's. <laughs> my husband and children are Zoroastrian, so can't have a Gotra. The Sindhur I wear is my belief as a practicing Hindu. Now get back to your life, Danyabad. So that's Smriti Irani at her understated best on Twitter. She was made for Twitter. She actually said, now get back to your life. It's, uh, <laughs> just say it. Sound is spontaneous, but, but she... But isn't pretend. your entire family line supposed to have your Gotra? I mean, that's the whole point. Actually, yeah. we'll have a little... I, I don't know much about Gotra, so... <laughs> Manu, are you... You're Christian? What are you? That's what they say. I mean, on, that's what they say on Twitter. Don't so, label you know. him. Joseph. <laughs> no, but uh, do you have Gotra? No, we don't have Gotra. Okay, so... Actually, I discovered my Gotra at... Um, my daughter's wedding ceremony because the pandit asked, "Apka gotra kaun hai?" Then everybody went kaun shuffling hai? around. Kaun hai? Kya hai? Kya hai? Apka gotra kya hai? So everyone went shuffling around, and then my husband's father said, "Koshal hai." So you and Sriti have the same gotra. <laughs> <laughs> your gotra. What a. <laughs> 
So, so, <laughs> so you're related at some level. You, you can never marry Smriti Irani. <laughs> <laughs> what a relief. So, uh, so rather than go through the whole list of things, I'll just quickly give one one line and then we'll discuss each of them at, at length. Uh, then uh, I'd like to, in fact, I want to start with this before we get into the Gotra debate. The economic benefits and dangers of subscription-based model because I keep pushing that. And there are some dangers as well. And I think we have, you know, some very bright minds to tell us what the dangers are. And let's see where that uh, takes us. Uh, then we have the Pakistan-Kartarpur corridor, which recently you've seen all that happened. Siddhu went, uh, uh, Miss Badal went, and she had a very emotional speech to give. And Siddhu had, <laughs> so uh, I'd like to know, you know, from the panel where that is going. Uh, <clears throat> does uh, specifically, should there be exchange of artists and sports and stuff in the backdrop of terrorism? And does literary translate to good cinema? And Manisha insisted we do how do foreign correspondents cover issues in India because she thought the way this whole... So, Manu, let's start with you. Let's just first negotiate news because we were discussing that even before. Do you think subscription is the answer to a flawed advertising model or do you think the danger is that an organization get boxed in because ideologically inclined people will decide the agenda what should be covered? Well, today we have two kinds of subscription models. One is called subscription and the other is called donation. Uh, I feel uh, they are, uh, now there are activist organizations which are uh, widely believed to be in journalism too, uh, who ask for donations. And I think uh, it's not a bad model at all, uh, but there the problem is that I'm clearly donating to you because you have been very critical of, uh, of a particular ideology. So uh, I'm going to put, I mean, there is a pressure on them not to antagonize their base. Like, for example, if, if there's an organization which has taken on BJP, uh, they can't suddenly write a commonsensical piece on Aadhaar. You know, that will disappoint their subscribers. Now, for most of my life, I have worked in organization. In fact, my whole youth has been funded by subscribers. I used to be with Outlook and other places. There, we would get angry letters from subscribers. I hate this guy. I'm going to cancel my subscription. I'm going to cancel my subscription used to be a matter of pride for us. <laughs> and when I used to work in Outlook, I, I was the only guy who was not married, so I would, I would stay late. And I would get these calls from angry subscribers saying that we are not getting the magazine and all that, and I would just bang the phone down, you know. So, you know, now suddenly the journalism is in crisis, you know how precious subscribers are. In fact, when subscribers can't make fun of them, I'll have prank conversations with them. <laughs> I'll tell them I'm a burglar. I was just stealing the computer and you called. What's your subscription number anyway? You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> but now we treat them with a lot of... But by the time I become an editor, it was open. I mean, I was like, oh, that's a subscriber. That's a, that's a rare being, you know, worship him. So I feel that there is a... Uh, uh, what is happening right now is that if there are going to be only four major mobile phone brands. I'm asking why should a country have 100 major news brands? Now, the point I'm trying to get at is that for a long time, we thought niche was something small. But I feel that today, niche can be something big as long as you are a niche. So a big organization like a New York Times or New Yorker would get general subscribers. But other, other organizations uh, will get subscribers who are interested in a niche. 
but it doesn't mean these subscribers are 100. You know, they could be hundreds of thousands who are interested in a particular niche. As long as they identify uh, something with you, then you're on. So what you're saying is definitely an improvement to the advertiser model, but far from perfect. Yeah, see, even in the advertiser, yes, there was a, there is a problem with the advertiser model, theoretically, because these guys are your advertisers and there is a perception that you're not supposed to write anything against them. But, uh, I mean, New York Times also gets uh, advertisements. It depends on the culture uh, uh, of your country and your journalism. Where you can say that, no, yeah, thank you for your advertisements, but we are going to do what we want to do. But then, practically, uh, editors have EMIs, and they have mm. many financial obligations, and they are professionals. Mm. So they could come under pressure from their promoters saying that just... Uh, Sure. Go easy on the. No, we don't have to be actually very moralistic about things. But so there, yes, there is. So in, it is in that context. Not advertising itself is not a flawed model, but human beings are a flawed model. Uh, so, so they make it imperfect. Yeah, and I and I feel that it's as corrupt. Donations are as corrupt as advertising model. That's what I'm trying to say. How is that? But not because if I'm going to donate uh, donate to you because I like you because you've been uh, you've been exposing say Amit Shah, okay, and then you are under a lot of pressure uh, not to do any positive stories. When, for example, if you know that Rafael is not a scam, I mean you're under pressure to just keep milking and making a particular kind of noises. You wouldn't have the uh, incentive to incentive. Not only that, you wouldn't even. Uh, I mean, the worst thing is when you start believing what you do is moral you know that is what happens to activism eventually you know and all these people uh, uh, do very well because one they are because they are activists they are i think smarter than journalists and they're better informed and that's where they begin and they have a what is called a moral compass which for some reason is very important for a lot of people though i feel that you shouldn't need a compass if you're a moral being but then they this is what got them the initial glory so they're going to stick to it so uh, there is that corruption which comes with the donation model. It's yeah, great for individuals. I think it is great for a blogger or an individual who's not a foundation, who's not an organization, to go for donations. It can't corrupt you because you are what you are anyway. Everybody knows mm. this is what you are. Mm. But for an organization, I think it could be as corrupt as the advertising model. Madhu, your view? I think um, the subscription model is a huge challenge, a bigger challenge than advertising because because of the readership and viewership has now increasingly become interested in only reading or watching stuff that they agree with. And that then puts the person, the organization asking for this for you to buy a subscription that we have to please our subscribers. Now the very basis of News Laundry subscription model is that we're not going to please advertisers, we're not going to please any government that's in the in power, and we're not going to please any bureaucrat, and we're going to try to cover both sides of every story. It's not that we can be objective, but certainly as this as many sides as they as many emerge. sides there are, and obviously, if one side says it's raining, the other side says it's not. We still, as journalists, have to open our eyes and see that is it raining or not. We can't just put both sides in and be blind to it. Uh, now, moving on to Gotra. First of all, uh, when this whole Gotra thing happened, we were discussing why, what all should we discuss. So, f I said, first of all, what is Gotra? I should not seem so ignorant when we do the Hafta. So, f I present you Anand, who will first explain what is Gotra. 
Because so I can also understand. Then we can discuss this Gotra debate. Oh, unlike uh, caste, uh, which is uh, endogamous entity, so Gotra is uh, exogamous. So, in English, please. Uh, exogamous means uh, it is uh, a subgroup within caste, and you cannot uh, marry within it. It okay. would be considered incest. Okay. Hmm. So this is the uh, this is a social distinction. Uh, now, uh, based on what? Based, I am coming to that. So uh, now historians uh, are divided over the origins of it, but I am just putting two three lines to sum up it. Uh, in Rigveda uh, um, refers to Gotra as Gotra, Gotra. So uh, cow pen, where all uh, the cow herd were people of the same community used to tie their cows. The, so the solidarity came from that. Oh. So Gotra Patra is jag, uh, the place, Yatra Tatra, Gotra and Gon. Now that has been contested by a time of Upanishads. Its origin has been derived from the seven uh, rishis uh, of the Vedic period itself. That is interesting because Rigveda says something else. So uh, seven rishis and all are descendants of that. So, so all, we are all descendants of one of these seven rishis. Se- seven like, like Kastya of this. That is and now uh, Panenini, the Sanskrit grammarian, now he used Gotra for a different uh, purpose. But let us, so basically it is. So basically this. one of these rishis and if that rishi is your daddy, then you can't marry within the same daddy's children. So then you have the same daddy. Basically that's the deal. So there's seven rishis. So that is where the whole thing Gotra comes from. So now um, let me start from the ladies this time, Manisha. Uh, we <coughs> there's this rhetoric that I don't believe in caste. I am so pure. school college caste Gotra it's irrelevant. Caste is irrelevant. But electorally, is it really irrelevant? I mean, I'm sure uh, young Rahul does not even know less than me about Gotra. But he has not contested, why are you telling my Gotra? So, but we keep judging this. And, you know, holier than thou, people like me, public school educated, make fun of this. But is it a fact and should we just accept it? And therefore, negotiate our conversations around that it matters electorally. It doesn't matter what people like you sit at social and... Of course, it matters so. electorally and that is like well-established. That's nothing to be... And in fact, like most but media, news debates... But does media acknowledge that? Because media says, how can he say his No, no, so the, that's the funniest part. When this whole Gotra thing happened, it was front-page news on Rajasthan Patrika. All India Today, CNN, everyone debated this issue. Rahul Kaval on his show had a pandit also to explain. Yeah, like we have Anand, he called a pandit. And all anchors started, they, they started their whole show with, why does it even matter? Why can't we talk about real issues? Why are we discussing Gotra? I mean, it's 2018. And then they went into a half an hour long conversation just debating Gotra and whether he is or he is not. So, I mean, of course, conversations will can change and media can bring it back to what it should be, but it's not happening. What is your view? Is there an inevitability to it? Because even Brahminical privilege, which one was talking about, or white privilege, what the West talks about, it's a reality. If that is a reality for people like us, should not Gotra be a reality for you know, people who have other kind of life experiences? See, one thing that somebody who is born into a privileged position, whether it's caste or whether it's income, uh, for them to... And it also connects with, like, if you have been privileged as in your education, in your background, 
and then you say completely reject it and say I'm going to be uh, live on the level as the same level as the people which some communists do or profess to do but don't really do uh, I think you can never run away from your past that much so I think both are similar in the sense that you can say I reject my privilege but you it's just a simple thing that you can be poor person can be poor but you with your background and privilege will only be broke because you won't be poor because getting out of that is extremely difficult but with say a privileged background you may have no money but you have the means to get out of it where a poor person has limited means because of his background and lack of privilege so for anyone of any caste to say i reject it it's kind of nice but it's not effective it's not realistic would you vote That's for a person possible. from not your community in your uh, manu go ahead see there's something peace i not once said i usually don't quote peace i not my god right, uh, this is said if you don't know your caste you're probably upper caste, upper caste yeah. you know so which is uh, that's, that's the only exactly funny it. thing i think he has said and uh, and i think it is <laughs> it's probably not applicable outside posh people you know but it makes a lot of sense among these urban people who say i reject caste you know because you obviously wouldn't if you're a dalit because it's too much of a cultural wound right now um coming to since you've uh, written you know three novels uh and uh, i believe like you said one of them is being adapted for the screen you were writing one for the screen right uh, last we met uh, i mean when when you were on that interview with anand yeah i'm working on all of them and in fact okay. it's uh, all three books <clears throat> yeah Illicit. but yeah when uh, when these when they have these kind of conversations i i also i i feel that uh, uh, film and tv so they're very different uh, uh, ways of telling story mm. and i feel that novelists should not be very possessive of their What form they- and i think it's a mistake for them to be to believe that you have to stick to this so i i try to show them i thought it's better for me to show them how it can be cinematic you know without but you uh, leave it to them fine i'll leave it to them yeah okay so um, one of the things we want to discuss is you know with the success of sacred games there is a lot of um, and and apparently uh, prayag's book is also being made into how many have you uh, seen sacred games it's pretty much almost everyone. everyone yeah mm-hmm. yeah so um does it translate well in into cinema uh, or the visual you know audio visual medium uh, or is there a compromise so on that you know let me start with you anand i remember very i don't know if this was true cuz now that you know now that you're in the digital age now i'm questioning everything i was told as a child did rk lakshman actually say that he was unhappy with guide yeah, or is it just something he called it a bastard child or something like that he was very unhappy but who told but, you did nehru tell you rk narayan but it was actually sorry, very guide was actually very Lachman. bad book. sorry rk narayan okay yeah so um yeah do you do you think there is this again an inevitability to the writer feeling dissatisfied or depending on how how creative you are if you're a really creative person you would have imagined it some way and someone not as creative as you will do it another and you'll be left dissatisfied just on some fact arkenarain was uh, uh, very annoyed he in fact wrote an essay misguided guide so uh, about how devanand uh, took him for a ride in this obviously yes. he says my guide so, never walked sideways yes. and devanand only walked so, sideways <laughs> so uh, i think uh, the problem i i asked manu uh, in the interview also the more fundamental 
problem is how do you depict thought in a film? Now, the standard uh, Indian practice is to have the pro um, act so, actor uh, talking to, uh, to the mirror. Mm. Now, that is idiotic. <laughs> uh, so, uh, means, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, mirror talks back or some shadows talking to you. Huh. So, uh, the, the severest limitation of visual media in converting a work of fiction is uh, depiction of thought as thought. So, and uh, the appeal of a lot of works of literature is that. Uh, wh what the character was thinking, thinking rather than doing, doing sure. and you, you have to show. Mm, what do you think, Manu? Is it yeah. how, are you, how, are you, are you <laughs> waiting to be disappointed with what they do to your book? <laughs> but I, uh, I have written one film earlier and in fact it was not even based on my shots, so it was a film that I co-wrote and when I went to watch the film, I thought, oh, I've come to some other hall. For the first eight minutes, I didn't identify. What film it's was such a, it was It's this? called Love Kitch D. Uh, okay. And uh, I was 25, and okay. it was supposed okay. to be my so biography, but it was not. <laughs> so it was—it's uh, a director's medium, you know. So he is going to interpret what uh, you have written the way he can, and depending on the funds that he has got. That okay. Now the thing about novelists, actually, a lot of novelists—I'm really surprised—don't say it because they're in the business of truth. Uh, a novel is a completely bullshit depiction of life in the sense that what happens in a novel is exactly not how we live. Uh, for example, okay, in Serious Men begins with, uh, there is something called the point of view of a character. You, you know what is said because I'm trying to tell you this is what is going on in the character's mind. He's walking on the beach and uh, he appears to suggest that uh, he has a side parting, and that parting is very blurred, like the border between two hostile, the border that British used to draw between two hostile neighbors. Mm. Okay. This is not how a guy is going to think when he's walking on the Wadley Sea face. He's not going to say, I have a side parting, and this parting is very, very, unam very ambiguous, like the border between India and Pakistan. No. That is not how we think. So it is a very, it is a trick, you know. Mm. It is, uh, it is a medium. It is a, it is almost like a separate language, okay, which tries to convince you that this is like. And uh, what ha goes on in the character is is not how we uh, we live. While a film, I would say, is almost slightly more anthropological, in the sense that they they can't play with the thought. They have to show what is possible, you know. So and. So it's well, a, so it's a one whole dimension is not available to cinema. So I I'm someone who I find that very interesting, and that's that's what makes it interesting for me. I, I think uh, before I come to Madhu, which is, I think both of them have their pros and cons, and of course there is the more realistic cinema, you know, whatever one may say about it. Uh, but there are certain things which you can do in cinema, which don't seem weird until you really think about it. Devanand being one that. A person, if you were talking to normally, forget finding him attractive, you wouldn't even find him normal, that each time he said something, he did this five times before he said it. You'd say, dude, there's something wrong with you, go away. Or if you said, come here, he said, yeah. He turned this way and then he came like this. You think he's weird. In a book, if you wrote, and as he walked with his hands dangling to his left, walking shoulder first, you'd think the guy's mad. But in cinema, that can be style. 
So I, I think both have the certain realism that you can demonstrate in cinema and certain fantasy and certain that you can do in books. No, what I'm trying to say is the very substance of a novel is based on an improbable way of thinking. Let's get that question. It's from Rituparna Sengupta. She says, uh, I just returned from the Kisan Mukti March. Apart from the several mostly independent media houses that had arrived to cover the event, there were also lots of students who had turned up with their smartphones to speak to the farmers directly and record their testimonies. Do you think it's time that consumers of news also become producers of news? Are we moving towards crowdfunding and the very production of news? Uh, and not just the economics of it. And she says, uh, I'm not speaking of individual blogs, blog posts here. All this is happening. No, I don't think uh, consumers should become producers of... I do think there's no, a certain... No, it's happening. You can't control it. No, I mean, of course, everyone's a blogger. But everyone writes stuff. Media. But I do think news mm. has a certain method to it. I mean, it's not... Yeah, we've I, had I that experience where it didn't work when we asked citizens to uh, send us. Yeah. And uh, they, they actually, there was a problem because the basis of one being, uh, getting both sides, being impartial, getting the facts, and, you know, all that which comes with basic training in journalism, we found that missing, so it became difficult. Um, so, yeah, we tried that. Uh, I mean, I personally don't think... Uh, you know what they call uh, what's the term? Citizen what generated content? Not citizen. Something generated content. What is it? User generated. User generated. US US generated. UGC. You know, <laughs> like UGC. I've attended a lot of these seminars, so they they throw terms like that. And merely the UGC was UGC program. What is it? University Grants Commission. UGC afternoon program. User generated content. I said, oh, acha. So news cannot be UGC in my view. Uh, there are certain filters that have been put in place. Uh, most importantly, because management get sued the asses off. So no. But I think on social media is a good place for it to start. Like Neda, the Iranian girl. You know, I mean, we've moved from social media causes revolution from the Arab Spring to bloody shut down Facebook and Google, GRPS, Jobia. Like within five years. When was Arab Spring? It's been like three years. So you see how fast they've gone more, from... More, more, more. Oh, six seven, years. Seven. So, it was you know, in 2011. So it's from 2000 to 2018, you know, it's, social media has gone from hero to villain. So I think there are certain filters that are imperative and like Madhu said, comes with training and they're legal issues. So no, I, I don't think you can. Uh, you have a view on that? User-generated content for news? I have, a, uh, I have the second story theory in the sense that uh, uh, there are a lot of debut novelists who wrote good debut novels and then... Um, because they were actually memoir writers. They wrote their own story. Then they didn't have a second novel. Similarly, there's a lot of, in fact, users can generate uh, great content, you know, but it'll be that one story because either they know it, but the second story is what they can't because that is when the professional kicks in. You know, when uh, something is your livelihood, uh, you do it uh, very differently for various reasons. In fact, that was also the difference between Anna Azare and Arvind Kejriwal, or even Anna Azare and Manmohan Singh when he was around. Uh, Anna Azare, after his fast and then uh, orange juice, and then uh, it's time to end the fast, he says, I'm going back. I found that very funny, and I found it strange that nobody took objection to the fact that Anna Azare is now going back. Like, going back from where? What? You know, his revolution is over, but Manmohan Singh is not going back anywhere. But Manmohan Singh had to run uh, the organization. So that was the professional. Whatever flaws you can obviously see in a professional, a professional is going to be there. 
because that's what you yeah. do very well put yes. you know so the so uh, so i feel that there is there is a place i feel that what the user generated content as it's called is showing journalism is but you have to be much smarter than that in fact what activists have also shown journalists is that you need to up the game you know yeah. like otherwise journalism will be taken over by people who can do some things better than you you know thank you first of all for all of you coming here and making the effort uh, we going to have like at least one subscriber event a month in 2019 and in different cities so those of you who actually tweeted to me saying like why is it in delhi this time we'll be traveling across the country we'll have one subscriber in every city so thank you all for coming and uh, for your support and your subscription and encouraging words Newslaundry has been a struggle from the word go, and it still is. I'd like to acknowledge the team who works tirelessly to try to make this news operation sustainable and successful. Also, thank you, critics who you know tweet to us and write to us. We have so many emails who tell us what's wrong, how to fix it, and you're pretty uninhibited with your uh, criticism, and that's good. And we appreciate that. So keep those mails coming in. Thank you, haters who say "abe gandu hai kya" on Twitter because without you, it wouldn't be half as much fun as you make it. Uh, and uh, hopefully news laundry will continue to grow as long as you keep subscribing mufat khors this goes out to you stop being such bloody conjuses if you can spend 300 on a pack of cigarettes or on a beer pay for news it may save your life one day on that note thank you all until next week angrez apna lagan aur news laundry apna hafta kabhi nahi chhodenge pay to keep news free cuz when the public pays the public is served when advertisers pay Advertisers are served. See you next week. Thank you all. Bye bye. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.